0: It's the most all star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All Stars, new season now streaming on Paramount Plus. Go to paramountplus.com to try it free. Terms apply.
1: Welcome into the Cyclone Alert, Cyclone Scoop Podcast. Michael Swain here, the Iowa State beat writer for 24 7 sports. Really excited about the podcast we have coming your way this afternoon. We talked to Chris Hummer of 24-7 Sports. He is a national college football writer for us. Does a lot of stuff covering the Big 12 and the transfer portal in particular. We talked a little bit about the story that he wrote for the website today, CycloneAlert.com, as a part of our 24-7 Sports preseason countdown series. Um, He took a look at Iowa State, its team talent ceiling, and why it would be a drastic college football playoff anomaly if the Cyclones were to make it, just in terms of the on-paper talent. So we started there and kind of built our conversation off that, talked a little bit about the Big 12 as a whole, the preseason national expectations for Iowa State, and then wrapped it up with uh, one or two things that Chris will have his eye on when he watches Iowa State this fall. But really excited for the podcast and hope you all enjoy All righty, we now welcome 24-7 Sports' Chris Hummer onto the podcast. Chris had a really interesting story for Iowa State fans to read up on the website. It's a part of our big national countdown to the start of the college football season. Iowa State was a program covered today, and Chris took a look at some of the numbers behind Iowa State's push to potentially be in the college football playoff. This is something that we've talked about a little bit on the podcast in the past, that this could be and and option for Iowa State if everything goes well this season. But Chris Darnoff, how are you doing? It seems like it's been a busy time for college football reporters like yourself, but how's everything going?
0: (laughs) It's busy, man. It's busy. I don't feel like it's been slow in college football since like 2019 with realignment, NIL, um, playoff expansion, and 800 other things it feels like. But I live in Austin. It's 90 degrees. It could be a lot worse. True.
1: It it could be. And at least we do have – games coming up soon starting this weekend actually saturday there will be some games which i'm excited for but let's talk a little bit about your piece um i think it's really fascinating some of the bigger picture numbers behind iowa state's picture in the national kind of college football playoff race but i guess for you going through this story and for fans that haven't read it yet chris takes a look at some of the more broader numbers behind kind of the team talent composite Um, Some of the four and five star rankings, the blue chip rankings that Bud Elliott does every year. Um, And for reference, you know, Iowa State last year was on the outside of the top 50 in the 24-7 sports talent composite, still was able to have one of its best seasons in program history, beating teams like Texas, um, who was in the top 25 of that talent composite. And so I guess for you, Chris, what was maybe one of your big takeaways from getting to look at some of the, the bigger numbers behind Iowa State's rise here and what could end up being um, a push for the college football playoff?
0: yeah the first thing i want to say is don't shoot the messenger this was an assignment uh via trey scott former iowa (laughs) state publisher actually so um that's on him uh but looking at this story essentially we looked at the least talented teams to ever reach the college football playoff we have the team 24 7 sports team talent composite that puts all the numbers together and kind of measures a team's total talent based on their recruiting rankings out of high school um, every season. The 2020 21 list is not out yet, but last year Iowa State ranked 57th in that category. Iowa State did not sign a single four star player in the 2021 class in order to bring in a four star transfer. So it's pretty easy to suggest that Iowa State will remain outside the top 50. And that would make so if Iowa State were to push for the playoff, looking at these numbers, they would be a historic anomaly. Anomaly, whatever. That's a word I've never been able to say correctly. But Michigan State is the least talented team to ever reach the playoff. They were there in 2015. If people remember that Michigan State team squeaked by all year, people were saying they probably didn't deserve to be in the playoff. They ultimately beat a very uninspired Iowa team to reach the playoff, and they got smacked around by Alabama once they got there. That is the least talented team in playoff history, according to the 24-7 sports team talent composite. That team had 18 total four- and five-star players. So for some perspective, Iowa State entering this season will have just four. Four total, four- and five-star players. So that's 22% of the least talented team to ever reach the playoff. And Michigan State that season was number 23 in the team talent composite rankings. Iowa State's going to be 30 spots behind that most likely in the mid-50s. So when you kind of take all of that into consideration, the picture is very bleak when you talk about talent and Iowa State's chances of reaching the playoff. Obviously, talent doesn't mean everything. But in college football, it tends to kind of really measure the teams that have a shot and those that don't. And at least the talent on the field and the natural talent in recruiting rankings indicate that Iowa State's chances of reaching the playoff are extremely slim.
1: Which I think is so fascinating, too, because you mentioned – the four stars on the roster right now. And I think a few maybe come to mind, I think, you know, the difference between looking at maybe the the composite four stars versus the kind of whichever staff has them as a four star. But I think you look at some of those four stars, like Jirel Brock, Joe Skates, Hunter Deckers, like these are guys that aren't actually contributing on the team, at least last year, you know, two of those guys, Jirel Brock and Joe Skates are likely going to contribute this season. But I think it is interesting the overall ability of kind of the Iowa State staff to maximize, I think, the talent that it does have. And I think the Michigan State comparison is very interesting, too, because I think you look at that Michigan State team, right? It was a really good defense, if I remember correctly, that kind of allowed them to um, really stay in a lot of these games and win a lot of those one-score games. And it's something you mentioned in the piece, too, is that Iowa State plays a lot of one-score games. And so the margin for error is so slim. And this is something that Matt Campbell has talked about. I think, you know, what over the last two, three years is the details. And Iowa state was really good in the details for the most part last year. I think you outside of like, you know, you look at the losses, Louisiana. um, We've covered that, I think on the podcast before, but where, you know, the team wasn't fully healthy at that time and they weren't really super sharp. So the details lacked, they lost. You look at Oklahoma state. um, That was a game where I think they just got beat. And then the big 12 title game against Oklahoma, Brock Purdy throws three interceptions. And I think the whole Oklahoma Part of this is interesting because Iowa State likely will get two shots at Oklahoma if they do make the Big 12 title game. And I'm curious from maybe your perspective, you know, what has Oklahoma maybe done this offseason now to raise its level of talent? Because I think we can look last year at last year's Oklahoma team and say that it was a down year for Oklahoma. I guess what have they done this offseason to make it where, you know, they are a top five preseason team?
0: Well, Oklahoma's done a number of things. I think the first thing is they've continued to recruit at an elite level. they just brought in the number one class in the Big 12, um, the number 10 class nationally. Features a lot of high-level contributors from the jump. We're going to see guys like Mario Williams contribute right away. We're going to see guys like Billy Bowman contribute right away. Two top 50 prospects for the Sooners last year. You also have to consider their transfer hall, which was the best in the country mm-hmm. according to the 24-7 Sports Transfer Rankings. They basically rated Tennessee's entire roster for the best guys they had. Eric Gray, who came over from Tennessee, is going to be, for my money, probably the second best running back, third best running back in the Big 12 behind Brees Hall and Bijan Robinson. Um, sorry, Bijan. Um, he's going to be excellent for the Sooners all year. But it's not just the transfers and it's not just the class, it's who they bring back. I think people forget about Kennedy Brooks. He was a two time all Big 12 running back. He sat out last year because of COVID. He rushed for a thousand yards in 2019 and 2018. He's going to form probably the best one 2 duo in the big 12 running back wise um, with Ken or with Eric gray. There's also Jalen Redmond to consider. I think people forget about him. He is a first round talent on the defensive line. He adds to what is now probably one of the five best defensive lines in the country for Oklahoma, given the talent they have across the board at that position. And I think, when you talk about year over year kind of talent increases, Oklahoma has done that specifically on the defensive side of the ball. And this is going to be as deep and as talented in Oklahoma defense as we've seen probably since the early 2010s. And when you combine that with what they have coming back on the offensive line and that group should be better this year Mm -hmm. and what they have coming back at receiver, you also get Jadon Hazelwood back, uh, the former number one overall receiver in the country to pair with Marvin Mims. And there's just a wave of talent coming out of Norman, Oklahoma, like unquestionably.
1: And so I think that maybe brings me to the next part of kind of, I think this conversation where, what does it look like then? I think for Oklahoma, I think they will be in the college football playoff conversation. I think really the only way that Oklahoma isn't in that conversation is either, you know, two losses to Iowa state, which I think just on paper looks unlikely, but I think what would it maybe look like then for Oklahoma to make the playoff and, conversely, like, what would be Iowa State's path then? Is it beating Oklahoma twice? Is there a a world in which two Big 12 teams make the college football playoff if they're both 11 and 1? Like, I guess, or I guess it would technically be 12 and 1 Then at that point. But I guess, what does maybe that college football playoff picture look like from a Big 12 perspective? I think if you're playing it out hypothetically.
0: Well, I, I would say up front, Oklahoma's my national title pick. So... I think they are going to make the playoff, and I think they're going to be very successful. Um, If you look at their schedule, they're going to be favored in every game. Their road games, quite frankly, are pretty friendly. I think they go to Kansas State, and obviously Kansas State's been a bugaboo for Oklahoma the last few years, but Oklahoma is just considerably more talented than the Wildcats this year. Um, They get Kansas on the road. That's a win. They get Baylor on the road. That's going to be a win most likely. They get Oklahoma State on the road, and while that might sound like an issue in Bedlam, The Sooners have lost like two of the last 19 games to Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy does not beat Lincoln Riley. So if you kind of look at the schedule, it's hard to find losses for Oklahoma outside of maybe Texas and Iowa State. And those games are going to be at home or at neutral sites for them. So kind of envisioning a scenario in which Oklahoma loses twice is difficult. And if you have a one-loss Big 12 champion Oklahoma, they're going to go to the playoff. Yep. Iowa State's formula, I think, is making it to the Big 12 title game with one loss. You have to figure out a way to beat Iowa. You have to figure out a way to beat Texas. You have to figure out a way to beat Oklahoma State. And if you get to the Big 12 title game and you beat a one-loss Oklahoma or an undefeated Oklahoma, I think Iowa State will have every argument to be in the playoff. But that's a lot of ifs given um, the amount of one-score games we saw Iowa State play last year, as you said.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think it is going to come down to maybe the margins. And I think something that also might help Iowa State's case is what Iowa looks like this season too, because... If Iowa ends up developing into a top twenty-five, top fifteen team throughout the season, and Iowa State does beat Iowa for the first time in the Matt Campbell era, I think that that does help Iowa State's case in terms of just overall resume. Because I think you look at the first two or first, you know, two out of the first three games. It's you and I, and then UNLV, not necessarily strong opponents, but that Iowa game I think could do a lot of helping for Iowa State. And I'm wondering also maybe from the national perspective, what the expectations might be for Iowa State. Because I think in Ames, you know, amongst fans, it seems like it's something where you need to make the Big 12 title game. Um, And I think looking to beat Oklahoma once throughout the year, whether that is claiming the Big 12 title, um, which might be a little more um, tougher to do. Just think about one-off games in a big setting like that compared to the, the game in November, which will be in Norman. Um, But maybe just what would be the national expectations, I think, for Iowa State going into the season? Because I think there's a different perspective of the way that I think the national media is approaching the season for Iowa State versus how I think the fans are, where I think the fans are very much going to enjoy the ride that they have because this isn't something Iowa State's been before. And it likely at this rate, you know, won't be this good again with this much returning talent coming back, utilizing that extra COVID year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think. In our CBS 24-7 poll, we had Iowa State 6th. The AP, I believe, had Iowa State 7th, and the coaches had Iowa State 8th. So that is, in my opinion, playoff expectations for Iowa State. They are in that mix nationally. Do I think that's realistic? I mean, that's up for debate. But I think nationally, people expect this Iowa State team, which I believe returns 20 of 23 starters. It has All-Americans across the board. you got an All-American, a linebacker. You probably have an All-American. At defensive end potentially Newell mcdonald if things go correctly greg Eisworth's not an all-american candidate but he's a 15-time all big 12 selection <laughs> got a heisman candidate and Brees hall running back if brock purdy can kind of play like freshman year brock purdy like i i think iowa state has the pieces to go on a playoff at least make a playoff push and i think that's the expectation nationally maybe maybe fans and Ames are a little more cautious which i understand like you got to beat iowa to start that hasn't happened mm-hmm. in a long time But I think nationally, people look at Iowa State and see a team that is capable of at least competing with Oklahoma for a Big 12 title.
1: And I think something you mentioned, the AP poll too there, I'll be really fascinated to see how the opening weeks of the season, I think, play out, because I think there's a world in which, you know, Iowa State cracks the top five. I think you just look at the schedule across the country, you know, Georgia and Clemson play early in the year, Um, if Iowa State can get by Iowa it's opening schedule is pretty easy going through. I think the first five weeks of the season, um, you know, you play Kansas early, you play Baylor early, you play Kansas state early. It's really the back half of the schedule. That's tough for Iowa state. And I think it'll be interesting to see kind of if Iowa state does get off to a four and Oh five and Oh, possibly six and Oh start, you know, how high in the AP poll does that take them? Uh, I think they've reached the highest preseason ranking is six or seven. I want to say, um, And in terms of like other Big 12 teams, I think that could push Iowa State, I guess, of course, you look at Oklahoma, Texas, I'll be really interested to see what they look like under Steve Sarkeesian. But outside of those two, I guess, what other Big 12 teams do you feel like are maybe not necessarily underrated, but could be ones that could push Iowa State this season?
0: Yeah, I actually think looking at Iowa State's schedule, they play the three most talented and probably the three best teams in the big 12 outside of themselves in November. And the, I guess the last one on the schedule, which is TCU, I think it's the most notable of that group. Maybe I'm wrong. Like TCU's had a lot of trouble figuring out its offense the last couple of years. They brought back Doug Meacham, who was kind of the offensive coordinator for those teams in the kind of the middle of last decade that really raised uh, TCU's ceiling um, that, that I, that TCU offense is a, uh, Always a work in progress. But if you just look at the pieces on that roster, TCU is everything you need to make a push for a big 12 championship appearance. I think TCU is really talented, like really underrated in a lot of ways. They have future NFL players on their defensive line. They have future NFL players in the secondary. They have a stud wide receiver in Quinton Johnson. They have Zach Evans, a five-star running back. Marcel Brooks, a former five-star linebacker, is playing receiver for him. If he can click there, he's the type of athlete who can really make a difference Max Duggan, an Iowa product, if Mm -hmm. he can take a little bit of a step as a passer, I think that offense could be really dynamic. And I I really like TCU. I think I picked them fourth in the Big 12. It would not shock me to see them leapfrog Texas and Iowa State if kind of things break their way. So that would be the team I'd point to out of the group, uh, TCU.
1: Yeah, and I think I I would agree with TCU. I think I had them third even. I think uh, our our ballot that we have for 24-7 sports, I think I had them ahead of Texas. I think you just look at that defense, I think, will be what you expect from Gary Patterson. And you mentioned Zach Evans, a five-star. Obviously, Max Duggan. There's Chandler Morris is there, too, if Max Duggan does get hurt. Um, I- I'm curious maybe from your perspective, too, what may do you think is this TCU team one that is one that peaks early? Do you feel like, or is this one that develops into something as the season goes on? Because I look at some of the off season additions that they've had, and it seems like a team that might play its best football really late in the year compared to maybe some other TCU teams that really play well early in the year and tend to fade as the season goes on.
0: Well, they better hope they peak early because they've got Cal SMU Texas and back to back to back weeks there to start the year after they play a D two team. So they have, to, they have to get rolling. And I think, I think they do have some continuity with Doug Meacham. He was on that staff last year. Um, Sonny Cumbie was the offensive coordinator. Sonny Cumbie's now at Texas Tech. Doug Meacham was on that staff. He is familiar with Max Duggan. Kenny Hill, who was a GA last year, is another quarterback's coach. If they can get that side of the ball clicking right away, I think they could be rather good from the jump. I, that SMU game, like I don't want to get too far off subject on the Iowa State podcast. It's going to be really fascinating. I think SMU is really underrated heading into this year, and that's going to be a barn burner. If TCU can start 3-0, 4-0 with Texas, like I think TCU is a legitimate threat to make the Big 12 title game because they have all the pieces to kind of make that run. And Gary Patterson coach defenses are always good. I don't think they're going to tackle as bad as they did last year. It was horrendous at the beginning of the year. So if, if they can get off to a hot start, as you said, I, I really do think TCU is dangerous.
1: Mm. And one more question here for you, then wrapping up with the Iowa State perspective. I do like to get national people's perspective on what maybe if you turn on an Iowa State game, let's say you turn on Iowa State, Iowa, Iowa State, you know, whoever, what are you going to be looking for well, on both sides of the ball, I should say? Um, when you first turn on the TV, I guess, what are some of the things you would be looking for from Iowa State?
0: Well, last year, I just enjoyed all the 13 personnel. That was just that was a joy to watch. Um, I I loved it. Um, Charlie Kohler is one of my favorite players in college football uh, for a lot of reasons, but he's just, he is awesome. Um, As for what I look for when I watch Iowa State, I always like to see what John Heacock draws up defensively. He's at the forefront of that nationally. He is a big influence on what we've seen the last couple of years with the Big 12 switching to so much kind of wide zone and maybe more 12 and 13 personnel. I'm, I'm curious what he's going to draw up to kind of counter some of those things earlier this year. But offensively, like as much as I like watching Brees Hall and Charlie Kohler, it has to be, it has to be Brock Purdy. If he is making good decisions, if he is free with the football and he doesn't turn it over, I think he is a top 10, top 20 quarterback nationally. And if that's the case, Iowa State's going to be really freaking good. But if Brock Purdy's turning the ball over too much, if he looks a little hesitant to let it fly, like I think Iowa state could be in a lot of trouble and is going to lose some of those close games. So those are kind of the things that I, I look for with those teams, with that team.
1: Awesome. Great stuff. Totally agree with on the Brock Purdy front. I think he's the one that will kind of establish where Iowa state ceiling is this season. Um, but thanks a ton, Chris for coming on the podcast and Iowa state fans. If you've not followed Chris on Twitter, go ahead and give him a follow at Chris underscore Hummer. Thanks a ton, Chris, And hopefully we'll check in with you around maybe the Big 12 title game later this season.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Happy to come on anytime and uh, looking forward to the Seahawks game. I'm very excited.
1: Definitely, definitely. I think Iowa State fans are looking forward to it too. Thanks.